welcome to the Legal Moves Podcast. I am your game lawyer host, Zachary Strebeck. And on this episode, I'm talking with fellow attorney Tamara Bennett. Welcome to the show, Tamara. Hey, Zach. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here this evening. It is a pleasure. You're my second lawyer uh, in a few months. Gordon Firemark, your co-host on the Entertainment Law Update, was uh, was on just a few, I think October 1st, I sent that one out. So, yeah, he's uh, well, <laughs> you, I know, we're I all kind of connected. A, yeah, we're all interconnected. So uh, you yes. were one of our very first, if not our first intern assistants on entertainment law updates. So. I believe I was, my official title was associate producer at some point, oh. but I started as an intern for sure. That's right. That's right. Yes. So we, we've done a little podcasting together over the years. Yeah. And actually when, when preparing my show notes for this, <laughs> for this episode, I started to think back about all the, all the work I used to do <laughs> preparing for that show when now I try to prepare as little as possible and put all of that <laughs> Put all of that work on you, the uh, the guest. Oh, that's okay. I, I am up for the challenge today to talk about music in video games. Let's go for it. Excellent. Well, first, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background, what kind of law you practice, and anything else interesting about yourself, uh, I guess. Sure. That's always a fun question. So I, I like to answer it with when I was five years old and in kindergarten, and I promise it'll go fast. Um the, t- the teacher asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my girlfriend, Sandy, responded she would be a nurse. My friend Trevor was going to be a firefighter. And I stood up, played air guitar, and said I was going to be a rock star because that's what I was going to be. <laughs> and so for reasons unknown to me, <laughs> at, at five years old, that was my career path. I, I did not become a rock star to everyone's disappointment, were, I'm sure. Were your parents... Music fans or something like no, that? I mean, where it, where it, would you even get that idea? I don't know. It makes no sense other than the fact that I grew up 20 miles east of downtown of Nashville of Music Row. And I think just by osmosis, there was so much exposure yeah. to the music business just in our everyday lives that we probably didn't know that I just knew I wanted to to be a rock star. So by the time I got to high school, I wanted to either be a professional saxophone player or a recording engineer. <laughs> and and wow. then anyway, fast forward, fast forward, I have a degree in music business and then went on to law school at some point and focused most of my uh, legal career related to music law, intellectual property law, which covers copyright and trademark, right of publicity, and really just helping people protect what they create. So it's it's a lot of fun. I, I have the world's most fun and interesting clients based on all of them being so very creative. So so that's kind of my focus but, yeah. now is the music <laughs> aspect of things. I don't know about the most fun and interesting because me as a game lawyer. Oh, I you have might have more. You, you might. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I office with a re- Yeah. Sorry. I office with a real estate attorney compared to her uh, clients. <laughs> yeah. More fun. I hear you there. Yeah. <laughs> And if any listeners keeping track, I, I wanted to be a pilot when I grew up, when I was uh, when I was about that age. I don't think anyone cares. <laughs> throw that in. I also am not a pilot, just like you're not a saxophone player. Yeah, well, I still have two saxophones and a flute at home. So at some point, I should probably uh, dust those off. And, and just another yeah, interesting... Yeah, smell another episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> live, I know. And, uh, and the other, yeah, the other interesting tidbit is that Gordon Firemark also played saxophone in high school. So there you go. Yep. 
I played the trombone. <laughs> if anyone's, uh, <laughs> if anyone cares, I was a trombone player. Anyway, okay. So let's. I, so assume you you have to explain music law to clients all the time because I mean it's sort of its own thing, right? When it comes to copyright and and other intellectual property that goes into music law, right? Well, it really is. I, and I'm sure you've probably talked with your guest about what is a copyright and how does a copyright apply to a board game or a video game, but it's it covers an original work fixed into a tangible medium of expression. So that's what a song is. Once that you take it out of your head, out of the idea and write it down onto a piece of paper or record it or sing it into your iPhone, you've captured the music, the melody, and the lyrics. You have a song with a minimum amount of originality. It's protected by copyright. So then you want to make money from that song. So what are you going to do next? And that that's where licensing comes into play and where I if you're working on a video game, one of the things that's a huge draw in video games now is music. So how do you go about securing the rights, not only for that song, which has a copyright, but there's also a separate copyright in the actual sound recording of the song. So you and I both could go out and record a song, be the identical song, but we'd have different sound recordings. Mm -hmm. So that's why you might search for a song or you find a cover of it and there's lots of different versions of that recording out there that you could potentially use and license for your game. So so every so, song, so, every piece of music has two types of rights. It has the, the underlying composition, right? What the actual music is and then the recording of that music, correct? That That's exactly right. So every, so let me rephrase your question. Every sound recording has two copyrights. It has the copyright in the underlying composition and that particular recording. So just the song by itself only has the one copyright. So those are those are two types of rights that if you were to license music for your game, you would want the license to both of those. But uh, there's also something called synchronization rights. Is that a thing that that game developers would need to be? concerned with? Yeah. And that's a great question. So what are the rights we need to be thinking about securing if we want to put, you know what, first let's talk about, so let's talk about if you're using in a pre-existing piece of music. So you want to go pick a current song that's playing on the radio or something that was playing on the radio 10 years ago or 20 years ago and include that in your in your game, you're going to have to, one, get permission from the music publisher, and that's who will own the underlying song, that recorded composition. And you're going to need to get permission to synchronize, so to include that song in timed relation with video images. That's the definition, the short definition of a synchronization license. You're putting audio and video together with a song that you don't own. So you've got to get a synchronization license from the music publisher. Unless you want to go out and re-record that song, if you want to use somebody else's version, you're also going to have to contact who we would probably call the record label, who owns that sound recording, or you might see it referred to as a master recording, mm -hmm. for a master use license. And that allows you to in essence, synchronize that particular recording into your 
your audiovisual work. So two separate licenses you'll need there. The one of the things that folks need to understand that is that there's no guarantee you can get those licenses. There's there's nothing under the law that says you you can force someone to give you a synchronization or a master use license so that you can use their music in your video game. So they can just say no all that they want to. Kind of kind of a th- another arm of that that you need to be thinking about is whether or not you might need a public performance license for the song that you're using. So that that would be if, if folks have ever heard of ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, they're the three major performance rights organizations in, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. If you're doing some type of streaming of the video game online, yeah, if you're doing something along that line, you're probably going to need a public performance license in addition to those synchronization and master use licenses. Right. That's world. something that's actually come up in the past when gamers are streaming their gameplay on Twitch or, or YouTube and the game itself, I guess, you know, like let's say we're talking about a Grand Theft Auto game. They didn't get that public performance license for the game. So now they don't have rights to pass on to the players to to put in their streams. So audio would either... I think there was a thing with Twitch where they would automatically replace the audio with something that was royalty-free or, or just get rid of it. Um, is it. Is that... I mean, that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> it's definitely an issue if you want to have your, yeah, yeah, your game a, being a, streamed, right? It, it's definitely an issue, and it's, it raises the question is who... Who should have to be paying for that performance license? Is it Twitch? Should they have a blanket performance license to cover everything that's going to be performed on their platform? Probably not. They're, 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 I'm sure, invoking protection under the DMCA safe harbor provisions. And, and I actually went out and looked at Twitch's, uh, terms of use today and they're pretty clear don't be put up don't put up any music you don't own the rights to which we know that happens every day <laughs> pretty I much suspect. constantly yes <laughs> constantly on that platform and, and others as well is it um the owners of grand theft auto do they need to secure a public performance license because I might do a gameplay on YouTube or Twitch in which the music is played. I, I don't think it's their responsibility if it's for somebody else using their copyrighted, the copyrighted work of the game. Why should, you know, Grand Theft Auto designers have to play, pay for that? So it, it is kind of an interesting interesting concept. I can see where that's something that really gets people tripped up as to who should be paying for that right. And the performance rights organizations have licenses. I mean, they want to get your money and and it's not them getting the money. Understand who doesn't get paid when you use somebody's music. Yeah. The songwriter doesn't get paid. Copyright owner doesn't get paid. So just like you, the game developer are working really hard to make some money at this. So is the people who write the songs. So there, there is a, a, a victim when things aren't licensed correctly. So it's always smart to be mindful of it and put yourself in, the, in their shoes too to say, okay, should 
am I benefiting? Should somebody be getting paid here? I mean, it, it can't be as simple as asking yourself that question to, to get your mindset going as to, you know, what rights maybe you need to be getting permission right. to use. I agree. I mean, obviously, <laughs> it's, it's, we're, the, we're the attorneys, so obviously <laughs> we would agree. Now, on the other side, you know, people may, you know, be a little more liberal with their view on copyright, but uh, but again, you're you're correct. I mean, we if we're talking about game developers, they are creating their own product, and their blood, sweat, and tears are in there. And I'm sure they believe that they should uh, be paid for for their work, right? Well, that's right. And and ask yourself, how would you if you're the game developer? How would you feel if somebody took the essence of your game and you didn't right. get paid for it? Yeah, I mean. Again, these aren't sure, legal yeah. questions, legal definition questions, but they're kind of just common, basic, I think, business questions that sometimes help helps us think through, oh, maybe I need to ask another yeah. question about yeah. what I'm doing. And so if, if this is so complicated, is it not just easier to have, you know, assuming you're not using pop songs and, and existing music, is it easier to just have whoever's making your music just assign it all to you? And that's a really great question. So it's it's an interesting, it can be easier, it may not be easier. I, I Well, I think, yes, it's got to be easier because you don't have so many people to right. contact to license. So let's say you hire a composer. Uh, you want to be able to secure from the composer, and typically in these situations, the person who is, quote, composing the music is also creating that master recording yeah. at the same time. So you're typically just dealing with one person who's a one-stop shop to create the the score for your game. That is easier. You need to think through how are you paying them? Are you paying them by the minute for what you need for the score? How much are you going to be using you know, or is this a full buyout of rights that they will never get paid anything ever again by you? And one of the things that I find trip people up is this understanding of public performance rights, which we talked about being an issue, is most times the songwriter slash composer wishes to retain their writer's share public performance. That would mean if if there was a royalty payable, they would get their percentage paid through BMI, ASCAP, or CSAC. And I, I think that's that's fair and it's good for them to retain that right. What large game developers, I suspect, I don't know this for a fact, but I suspect Rockstar Games owns their own music publishing company. Why would they do that? Because when they get these all rights buyouts from the songwriters, there actually might be money, publishing money that Rockstar or whoever the company is could also be making. And if they don't be become a music publisher and register these works with the performance rights organizations, they're not going to get paid. So think about that when you're doing this deal with the composer you are in some ways stepping into the role of being music publisher if you're owning the copyright in the music. That means you could potentially license that music for something sure. else if you did an all rights buyout copyright assignment. Or did you only secure the very narrow rights of using it in your video game? And then what can the composer go do with the rest of the rights they retained? 
So, so think through how that will work for you and what makes sense. Maybe all you need is limited rights for your game and you're not concerned about getting rights. And usually that's sort of proportional to how much you're paying for it, right? So the more rights you get, the more (laughs) their rate is probably going to go up because they're giving up future rights. Uh, That's right. That's, That's exactly right. If they're giving up future rights, then you should be paying more for those rights. I also just want to add in here that you people should assume that nothing is in the public <laughs> yes. domain. Yes, for sure. Okay, so so what does that mean? I, I think the term the term public domain when it relates to copyright protection has a specific meaning. It doesn't mean just because it's available on the internet, uh, just because it's been recorded and released. It it doesn't have a copyright date on it. It has a Creative Commons license. None of those things means that the song or musical recording, sound recording you want to use are in the public domain. Unless it was published prior to 1923 in the United States, the odds are it's not free and in the public domain for you to use. And that's kind of a misnomer that a lot of people have that, oh, it's from the 60s. It must be in the public domain. Probably not. There's actually a lot of really hard math that goes into calculating if that's even a possibility that it could be um, be part of the public domain. So so think about that. The other thing to think about is let's say your game, uh, you're going to do a trailer for it to get people interested well, maybe you want to include music in the trailer. That's actually a separate license typically from the particular license uh, that you need for the game. So it's an additional fee if you want to put the song and use it in what we call out of context usage. So you want this music playing as other scenes are happening in the game that maybe were not where the music was playing when you're actually doing gameplay. And again, maybe movie trailers are a better thing to relate to. You know, there's always these cool songs in the movie trailer, and then you go watch the movie and you go, but they're not in the movie. And so there's extra money to be paid. And for the songwriter and the record label or the owner of that recording, if you want to use a particular song in your trailer for your video Yeah, that's pretty common to have a, a separate song. You know, just sort of randomly, whatever looks good for a trailer. Because, you know, music for a game, it doesn't necessarily make good trailer music. So you need to, you know, you need to advertise your game the best you can. Yeah. And there, it's, <laughs> I can't think of the name of the movie now, but it's, a, oh, it's a Christmas holiday movie where the two women switch places. And you, you got and, me. Anyway, she, she writes music. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, she writes music for she she actually designs movie trailers. So everything is thinking all of her thoughts are in as if this was happening in a movie trailer. So it's kind of funny. But yes, the music you typically want for a trailer is very different in many cases than what yep. is actually happening while you're watching the movie or playing the game. Well, so that's a lot. Hopefully people will listen to this multiple times to, and take notes. I should have put a warning to, to get your get your notebook out and, and take notes during this because, yeah, it's a ton of, ton of great information and a ton of, uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit complex, but, but not really. So one of the things that a lot of clients or a lot of the composers that work with my clients want is to retain the rights. Either they keep all the rights and license it to the, to the game developer or... 
they assign the rights, but they retain a license to be able to sell the soundtrack on, you know, Bandcamp or whatever, wherever they're selling soundtracks or put it on Spotify, et cetera. Uh, do you, is that is that relatively common in your experience? I, I think that's really smart from the composer's standpoint it, is they should be able to retain all of the potential revenue streams they can to maximize their work. If everything in life sure. comes down to bargaining power, and, and if you're a relatively new game developer, you probably have relatively low bargaining power. And, and maybe you're working with a composer who is on equal footing with you. Well, you know, you're not in the business of releasing albums. Well, none of us are in the business of right. releasing albums anymore, but you're not, you're not in the business of releasing digital downloads or music on Spotify. So I think it's okay if the composer wants to carve that out because it's not necessarily part of what you're doing. It probably also just makes a difference in the nature of what you're soundtrack sounds like you know is it something where you as the game developer could see some other way you could monetize and use it if mm-hmm. if, if you can't you mean by the nature of the game is this the type of game that would have a soundtrack that people won't want to listen to outside of the game well i think i think that's one question does it make sense for us to put together something that even looks like a soundtrack today to the game with how digital mm-hmm. distribution works with music. Are there other ways that we w- would use this music in future versions of the game? Maybe there's some continuity you want to have across multiple versions. So maybe you want to be able to have the ability to put it into another game. Maybe part of what you negotiate is you give us the right to put it in the next game. And if there is a next game, we're, you know, we're going to pay you a lot more money because if we ever get to the next game, something's working for us. And so we know we can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to the soundtracks. So a lot of times a game developer will release a soundtrack along with the game, but not necessarily on all different music platforms, mostly just on the game platforms. So if I were to put the game out on Humble Bundle or Steam or something, there could be a version that bundles the soundtrack. So again, these are just the issues you need to think about with your composer do what happens on these game stores or do we have a you know the ability to bundle it with the the game as kind of a game and soundtrack bundle and then if we do maybe revenue gets divided up and so how do we determine (laughs) how much of it is soundtrack you know when it's one price how do you determine how much of that is the soundtrack versus how much is the game and then does the composer get a portion of that i mean it can get complicated but as long as you think through it and you write it clearly in the contract usually not an issue. Well, and I think, right, those percentages are important as to who's getting paid what. And just being transparent in earnings you're receiving, and maybe, I don't know how transparent the game platforms are. Maybe they're more transparent than the music. They're pretty transparent. Yeah, I mean, you will generally just get a report that shows your sales and where they where they happen okay and, and all that so, so it should be pretty yeah so that <laughs> pretty easy to show pretty easy and straightforward board. i did want to mention just just real quick if you are asking for mm-hmm. rights from a third party so you've decided not to hire a composer you want to use some pre-existing music here are some things that you're going to need to tell the licensor before they'll consider your license um, they want to know the budget for your game as well as your music budget 
yes, you should have a music budget. Uh, what type of media this is going to be in, how it's going to be delivered, those kinds of things. The timing, mm -hmm. how much of the song or the sound recording do you want to use? Do you want to use 30 seconds of it, but use that 30 seconds potentially 10 times? So you've got to think through when it's being used, how much is being used, how often it's being used, and when it's being used. So they are going to ask you to describe the scene, the visual part of what's happening when their music is being played. They're going to ask you if you want all rights in perpetuity, which is going to cost a whole lot of money. Or do you want it for a limited period of time? Do you just want it for the U.S. or do you want it for the world? Uh, have, they're going to also ask you if you're talking to the music publisher, have you cleared that recording yet? Because they want to know if you've gotten the rights. So typically when you're using a third-party pre-existing piece of music and an existing sound recording, what you pay to the music publisher usually equals the same that you pay to the owner of that recording. So again, these are just things to think through as you're setting up your, your budget, your, your scripting. You really need to think about how you're putting that music in and what's happening because some people may not agree to use it because the game's too violent or it's yep. rated mature audiences and they, they will only agree to use their music for teens whatever that the may be. So all of these things can come into play and in whether or not a license will be granted in addition to how much money is involved. Even, even politics, right? You have lots of issues where politicians are <laughs> playing music and, and the, the artists uh, definitely are not agreeing with that. So, I mean, there's all kinds of things that could go into uh, whether an artist is okay with the, with playing their music in your, in your game or not. That's right. And again, there's no, you, there are some rights which are not involved in these where there is an automatic grant of a license, but not in, mm -hmm. not in this case, because this is a synchronized work. It is not the same thing as issuing a, putting out a, a record or a single, which involves a mechanical license. So yeah, we need to talk about mechanical licenses, I guess. If you want to put out a soundtrack, that's another license. It's, it's a mechanical license, and you do have to secure the rights to include that recording if you're going to put it up for streams on Spotify or, as you mentioned, bundled it on some of these other platforms or have it up on iTunes. Crazy, I think. <laughs> it's all crazy. But, yeah. Well, just, just remember, yeah, just remember, if you want to include it in your game as an audiovisual mm -hmm. work, it's a synchronization license to yep. use the song. It's a master use license to get those same rights to use the recording of the song. Gotcha. You may have to get a public performance license depending on whether or not your game is going to be, you're somehow going to be streaming your game off yep. your website. You'll need a public performance license to do that. That may also trigger some other master use digital rights that are very unclear on how we license those these days. That's a whole nother conversation. Excellent. And then if, if you want to put out a soundtrack, we need to talk about a mechanical license and a potential master use license for that as well. Well, luckily, attorneys like yourself exist, <laughs> right, to help, uh, help <laughs> creatives get through all this process, right? 
That's right. That's right. Excellent. All right. Well, I mean, I did have a couple other questions, but we're getting to the point where we're almost out of time. So why don't I uh, just ask you, where where can... uh, You know what? One more question. So do you have any other tips for game developers as far as what are your most important legal issues to cover? This is It doesn't have to be music. This could be like trademarking your game name or something like that. What do you think? Oh, good question. You know, clear. I well, I guess I have a couple. One, okay. <laughs> if you want to have, if you want your game to own the name, own that, own that trademark, that brand identifier for your game and for associated merchandise. Yes, early and often, talk to a trademark yeah. attorney to see if you can get the rights to that name. It there doesn't have to be the identical name out there. It can be something similar. So if if that's core to your brand, make sure you've got that nailed down. Yeah, I find that to be the biggest thing that trips up clients is, well, the, you know, there's this plural, there's a spell different, all these things that as trademark lawyers, we know are basically the same to the trademark office and under trademark law. But to a client, it's like they're totally different. So we need to, I think what, you know, as a listener, <laughs> listening to this, uh, they probably think, or they should know that what you think are similarities and differences are probably not <laughs> what actually exists under the law. Well, and, and another just kind of common business way to think about it is how would you feel if Bob or Sally, whoever purchased the other guy's game thinking it was yours? Right. And, and if that makes the hair on your neck raise, well, then we need to, that's probably a pretty good rule of thumb test. We need to be talking about whether or not this is the right trademark for you. Yep. And for sure. I mean, so, that's the whole reason for trademark existing, right? To protect, actually to protect the consumers, <laughs> mostly. That, that's from, right. It, it being, is to protect the consumer yeah. because we don't want Bob or Sally buying the wrong game and going, this exactly. game is a piece of blank, yep. blank, blank. And that makes you look bad like, as the developer. <laughs> Because that's this right. Other that's right. Bad quality game is out there with your name. Yeah. yeah. And so the other thing I would say this, and this goes with the trademark conversation, is go out and get all the social media handles mm. right now. Yep. yep. <laughs> so, and all the variations on the domain name so that you have those locked up. And the other test is if you can't get the social media handles, well, maybe you need to pick a different name as well for, yeah. just for that reason. But I would say do that in conjunction. So you don't want to go and spend uh, spend hundreds of dollars on domain names before you've sort of cleared the trademark in the first place. So it all kind of has to happen at the same time, it, I would say. Yeah. It does. It does. But but think, think through that. And if you're finding lots of barriers in yep. getting domain names and social media handles, that can be a tip-off that the name you've chosen it may not be in use by another game or game developer, but it may be a, a very, I don't know, clogged up sure. area yeah. as it comes to the name. And it's going to be hard for you to differentiate yourself and set yep. yourself And that apart. makes your trademark less strong. And it also makes, I don't know, it, you know, distinctiveness is the big thing in trademark. And maybe it doesn't mean anything to clients, but it's important. You know, you want your brand to be distinctive from everything else because that's what makes it strong. It may make it difficult in the beginning to get people to notice you. Like if if your game has some weird out there name, maybe it's not instantly appealing. But once 
you know, people know it, they know that that's you and you're distinctive. So I think that's the important thing going forward is being your own thing. I think so. And and keep in mind that you can have the name for your development. So it's Mm -hmm. Rockstar Games uh, versus all of the different games they have. And so game titles, you're going to actually have to have... I don't know the answer to this. I'm going to throw this out here because this is how it works for for album titles or uh-huh. TV shows. You have to have a you have to have a series as an artist, you would have to have a series of game titles or a series of books. If there was only one Harry Potter book, there wouldn't be a trademark for Harry Potter as to books. Right. It has to be a series of books. So I think that should follow through when it comes to games. It has to be. No, a games series. are actually special. They which are is, special. Which is good. Yeah, you don't need you don't need a series. So a single game can be trademarked. And I well, forget the go. reasoning for it. <laughs> and I worry that in the future they may change that. But for now, a single game can be enough to to be a trademark. That's right. So you have to use it in interstate commerce. So it can be for a single game. It can be for your production company. So that's my tip. Early and often, make sure you can use the name you want to use. Yep, I agree. Excellent. All right, Tamara. That's all we've got for this episode. Thank you again for coming on the show. This was super informative. And like I said, uh, listeners, rewind it and get a notebook and and take notes through that whole conversation because that's important stuff. Uh, Tamara, where on the internet can our listeners find you? So you can find me online at tbennettlaw.com, T-B-E-N-N-E-T-T-L-A-W.com, createprotect.com. And on most social media, I'm at Tamara Bennett, T-A-M-E-R-A-B-E-N-N-E-T-T. Thank you for having me today. Excellent. Thank you for being here. Uh, and you can find me. Wait, I, I need to plug myself <laughs> myself as well. We can't forget this. Uh, you can find me at gamelawyerblog.com and Z Strebeck on social media, but I don't really use social media. So as always, uh, please share this podcast with other people if you think they might, uh, they might enjoy it and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone helps to grow the audience and, uh, and get new viewers listeners, not viewers. All right, Tamara, thank you again. And listeners, I will see you next month.